0: This is Mike Roth. Welcome to the Open Forum in the Villages podcast. In this show, we're going to talk to leaders in the community, leaders of clubs, and interesting folks who live here in the villages to give perspective of what's happening here in the villages and information that I think all villagers should have. We hope to add a new episode most Fridays at 9 o'clock. This is Mike Roth. I'm here today with Dr. Frank Okona. Frank, thanks for joining me
1: thank you thank you mike my pleasure
0: before we get started frank i'm going to tell everyone a little joke see if you can get this one what do kids do when their mom is using the phone give up board game
1: oh.
0: <laughs> that goes in the bad joke file
1: yes appropriately appropriately
0: kaplunk okay and let me tell our audience a little bit about you frank Frank has been a professor for over 40 years and has taught courses in psycho- psychoanalysis and Jungian archetype. He taught an interesting course in Murder 101. Somehow you're going to have to explain how those, that fits together. He's taught comparative mythology. Well, that's a strange one, Frank, I, I got to admit. And the interpretation of dreams. That's what we're going to talk a lot about today. He's taught courses on Shakespeare and literature. Two doctorates, one in medical humanities a concentration in psychoanalysis, and uh, he served uh, multiple terms as the associate editor of the Journal of Evolutionary Psychiatry, and as a distinguished scholar in, and lecturer for the New Jersey Council of Humanities. What should I say, the New Jersey?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'd understand it better.
0: He served multiple terms as an associate editor of the Journal of Evolutionary Psychology. And as a distinguished scholar and lecturer for the New Jersey Council of the Humanities, he's an award winner for NISOD. Frank, what does NISOD mean? It's a,
1: a national um, award for uh, teaching excellence.
0: Oh, okay. And also, he was cited by the New Jersey CCC.
1: Yeah, that's the New Jersey. Community college. I don't know what the last C is myself. <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> he's hosted TV shows and, and profiles, and he's written six academic books, writing The Absence of the Father, Crisis in America, Father Absence, The Power of Dreams, Femia Sapiens. Femia Sapiens, what, what the heck does that
1: mean? Frank? Well, Homo Sapiens means thinking man. Right. So, Femina Sapiens means thinking woman. And my theory is that if you go back to the prehistoric art, and um, all the artifacts that we have. It's mm-hmm. very obvious that the first thinking human beings were women, uh, not men.
0: Interesting. Uh, you, you've also co-published a book called He Says, She Says, Shakespeare. Shakespeare.
1: Oh, yes. Yeah. I taught that for a few years. One of my colleagues and I uh, used to fight all the time. And so I... We thought, well, why not just write a book about it?
0: And Frank has written four murder mystery novels as part of his continuing series. Uh, Frank, do you use your own name on the novels? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I had another author in here. Uh, She wrote romantic novels, romance novels, and she uses two different Num de Plums as her name. She's been very successful at it.
1: I don't, I, that's great. I wrote romance novels. I do the same because I wouldn't want my wife to know what I know about romance.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. We just turned off all the women who were listening. Uh, (laughs) uh, Frank is an active member of the International Association for the Study of Dreams. Well, let's stop right there, Frank. The Study of Dreams and Sleep. How did you get started in that?
1: I think it's been about 30, 35 years ago that I got interested in it. I love psychoanalysis. And what I uh, realized was that dreams are, are the deepest mysteries for most of us. We all dream. We, we dream every night and they don't make any sense to us. But what I noticed is that uh, there is a sense to it. It is a, uh, what's called the language of dreams. The, just the way when we speak, we have uh, words that we make relationships. Like if I said Jack and Jill went up the hill, you know, when I use the word "and," that they're equal, Jack and Jill. Mm-hmm. When we dream, the same brain is using the same structure in language, and it's creating images instead of words. So once you understand the structure. You can understand your dream. If you think of it, remember in school you had a diagram, a sentence, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you had the verb and the noun and all that? Well, well the same thing. Yeah, me too. And the same thing is true of of dreams. The images that seem to be so confusing really make sense when you understand how they're put together, and what they're telling us. Mm-hmm. Do most
0: people have dreams most nights?
1: We all dream every night. If you didn't, you would um, you soon die, <laughs> to be <laughs> honest. But uh, once that mechanism works, it works all the time, unless you have a severe brain injury or something.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been told that uh, when we uh, are using our brains, we're actually translating words into pictures in our brain because we store images. Is that true?
1: Well, it, it works in, in a in a kind of like that. What happens is we, we don't have a brain. We have three brains. There's a inner brain called the reptilian brain, and mm-hmm. that's the seat of our instincts. Our, it's territorial, our um, fight or flight. Then the middle brain, if you think of a Tootsie Roll Pop, you know, like it's mm-hmm. three layers, the middle brain is the paleomammalian brain or old mammal brain, and that's the seat of our uh, emotions, our our Uh, intuition. Uh, Then the third brain is the neocortex, and that's the only brain that has uh, the ability to uh, use language, words. So what happens when we sleep, we, in a sense, as you said, we reprocess what's going on in words in the waking world into images in the inner brains, the two buried brains, Mm -hmm. and the dreams use those brains to solve issues we can't solve when we're awake. Mm -hmm. So crocodiles
0: have dreams then? I would
1: imagine so. (laughs) I don't know too many.
0: (laughs) Haven't psychoanalyzed any crocodiles? Uh, No, no. I can understand that.
1: Yeah, it's hard to tell what they're thinking beyond that smile of theirs.
0: Mm -hmm. What is the, is there such a thing as a most common dream that people have?
1: Yeah, there are common dreams, that, because we are all human, we all have the same basis uh, of uh, psyche and, and structure of language, and so there are common dreams, but they mean different things to different people. For example, um, a fear of uh, someone chasing us. It could be, to me, it might be a fear of a, a real danger. To someone else, it might be a fear of some uh, problem within themselves that they're suppressing that keeps after them, and... uh the only way they can deal with it, what you call Jung called their shadow, is to accept it. But they're not accepting it, so it keeps chasing them.
0: Mm-hmm. Is that why people have dreams that repeat every night?
1: When, usually when people have dreams that repeat, it's because the message isn't getting to them. So what can the dream do? It could repeat till you get it, or it could give you the same message over and over again. But in a different way. Just the way like three and one equal four, but two and two equal four. So just trying to give you the answer, but in different ways. Or if all else fails, it results to nightmares. Uh, we all, most of us say we don't remember our dreams, but we remember our nightmares. And it's the nightmares that uh, are so important to look at. Uh, tell us more about nightmares. Well, actually, there are two types. There's a, a very uh, common nightmare, that like most of us have, which happens in the later stages of sleep. And that's very normal, and that's usually a message that we're trying to avoid listening to, but that we really need to pay attention to. But then there's a nightmare that happens at the beginning of sleep, when one immediately closes one's eyes and starts to hallucinate and have these horrible nightmares. And usually those are... um people with PTSD or other uh, tragic tragic situations
0: mm-hmm. Should people uh, take notes just after they wake up about what their dream was so they can better understand it?
1: That would be ideal, but most of us when we wake up, the dream kind of goes out of our heads pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And so what I, I what I would do is that I would instead of trying to write it down, I would just wake up and not move. I would just lie there quietly, Keep my eyes closed and just let myself feel the emotion that's come out of that dream. Then just bridge that emotion, for example, fear or happiness or anger, to something that's happening in their waking life. And that would give them a better idea of understanding what their dream means. So if I wake up and I'm anxious, I would ask myself, well, what am I anxious about in my waking life? And that would give me a hint of what my dream was trying to tell me.
0: Mm-hmm. The dream, same as or similar to anxieties, which might keep someone from falling asleep.
1: Well, trouble falling asleep is a is a form of uh, in insomnia. Most of us fall asleep from uh, in, in about five to even twenty. 20- 25 minutes after we get into bed. But tr- having trouble sleeping is a parasoma, which is a, a different thing altogether.
0: Okay, so the day-to-day troubles that people might have that may, may keep them awake when they put their head down on the pillow. Yes. They don't count as dreams.
1: Uh, no, they count as, uh, because you're still conscious. Mm-hmm. And what they keep them from uh, going into a dream state. They keep them from going to sleep. And that's a, a trick. You know the old idea of counting sheep? Yes. Yeah, the reason that kind of works is because the reason we can't fall asleep is we keep thinking about ourselves, what's going on, all our worries, our concerns, our fears, and we uh, we can't shut our minds off. So if we focus on the sheep going over the fence, we not stop thinking about ourselves and think about uh, think about something else.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and where does meditation come on this continuum?
1: Meditation is in a, very much like a state of... Of early dreams, meditation and dreams in the beginning have a lot of similar are similar, so they are basically the same thing at the early early stages of falling asleep. Mm-hmm.
0: And in meditation, sometimes they tell you to clear your mind, take deep breath, and don't think about anything in particular.
1: Yeah, stop the mind stuff. Right. We picture a, a, a lake, and wind blows ripples across the lake. That's the thoughts that go through our brain. So we want to stop the thoughts so that we can see the surface in a nice smooth fashion, which if you think of it, means that it it becomes both reflexive. You could see your reflection in it, but because the water is still, you can also see deep under what's there.
0: Mm -hmm. So dreams are a normal phenomenon, and a dream is trying to tell you something. Am I right so far?
1: Or it's trying to work out some kind of issue Or it's trying to help us practice something. So if you're a golfer, for example, and you've been trying to improve your golf game, when you're dreaming during your non-REM sleep, you are coming up with strategies on how to do that. Then in your REM sleep, you actually practice that. And studies show that people who can do this and type link into this process actually improve physically
0: hmm Sometimes I've had some of my best ideas in dreams, and I'll jot them down, take a couple of quick notes, and then implement them.
1: Yes. You'd be surprised at how many uh, great ideas came from dreams. Uh, uh, Einstein, for example, uh, his theory of uh, relativity came from uh, a dream he had of seeing, uh, he was walking in a country lane, and there was a fence with cows behind it. And the fence was electrified. And When he saw the uh, cows come in contact with the the fence, it seemed all of them were electrified at the same time. But to the farmer, who was at the other end of the fence, the the cows looked to be one at a time. And so he realized that time was relative
0: to space. Mm, It's an interesting comparison. In in your practice, you have analyzed dreams for clients, Frank?
1: Well, I was always a professor, but I've analyzed dreams for about 35 years. I've heard every dream dream. And people say to me the same thing. My dreams are crazy. My dreams are so crazy. And you know, I'm thinking, well, the rest of us have these normal dreams that we understand completely, but just their dreams are crazy.
0: So in dreams, things are distorted.
1: They're they're in a
0: way that we don't recognize them. Sometimes people in the dreams are people that we recognize.
1: Right. We recognize the images and people in the dreams, but we don't recognize what they're trying to tell us. And that's why we need to understand the language of dreams, the structure.
0: Mm -hmm. And can you give us a a brief condensed structural language of dreams?
1: Well, I could just give you one example uh, because there's not so many of them. Just the way there's so many figures of speech. Uh, One is, is called Representation. And what happens in representation is the dream uh, begins in one place and then jumps to somewhere else. Or two people get merged together. One of my dreams was my grandmother was the racehorse Seabiscuit. And I knew it was my grandmother, but it was also the racehorse Seabiscuit. And I didn't understand it till many years later when I studied all these things. My grandmother had come from uh, Italy and didn't speak the language, had three children, but yet she was able to survive and raise her children. And she was an underdog in a sense. Biscuit was the same way. It was a diminutive horse who they, no one thought was going to win and became a great champion. So what my dream was telling me is an, uh, a simile. My grandmother is like Seabiscuit, and I'm like my grandmother, so it was at a time in my life where I was going to quit. And mm-hmm. my dream was telling me, don't quit. You have it in you to be able to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, you had to know the story of Seabiscuit before you had the dream.
1: Uh, no, in this case, the two of them were merged together. And the other case is a cause and effect. So there's a classic dream of a woman who had just given birth, and she couldn't lose those extra pounds. And she had a dream that began with a hippopotamus, that was in a tutu and were dancing around. And then the second part of the dream, she was flying an airplane and crashing it into the ground. This is kind of textbook 101 dream. And what it was showing is that she was, in the first dream, showing how she felt about herself. That was her self-image. The second dream was telling her that because of her self-image, she was crashing her whole life into the ground and that she needed to stop. So it was a cause and an effect.
0: Hmm. I thought that dream was saying that hippopotamuses shouldn't fly airplanes.
1: <laughs> well, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. That sounds logical.
0: It'd be really hard for them to work the controls, I think.
1: Uh, yeah. And they, they wouldn't be able to carry any luggage uh, mm-hmm. because the, of the weight. The differentiations. weight Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so dreams can be informative for us to give us subconscious messages from our unconscious mind to our conscious mind.
1: Well, you remember the, um, the show Dragnet? Sure, Jack just, Webb. Just the facts, ma'am. Nothing but the facts. Sure. When we're awake, that's what our conscious mind does. It focuses on facts. So when we're sleeping, the, the brain is actually floating in liquid. And during the day, it floats in liquids that keep us awake. Then we go to sleep. They're replaced by you know, melatonin. And that allows us to go, the brain to stop thinking and opens the inner brains so that we start dealing with the same problem, but with our emotions and with our instincts instead of with our common sense or or brain. Mm -hmm. People don't realize, but 90% of all our decisions are unconscious. Emotionally based. Emotionally or instinctually based. Mm -hmm. And Frank,
0: if you could tell our listeners just one thing that they could do with their dreams that would help them in their
1: life, what would that be? To keep a dream diary. It's very hard to understand what a dream means when you only get one little piece of it. When you keep a dream diary, you start to see a pattern. Mm-hmm. For example, if I, I'll just use numbers. If, uh, if I had wanted to convey the number 10 and my dream was 1, it would take forever for me to extrapolate from 1 to 10 and understand the dream. But if I had a bunch of dreams, two, three, four, like that, I can add them up and find the answer to my my dream.
0: Great. Frank, if someone has any questions about dreams, can they get a hold of you after listening to this podcast?
1: Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm retired, and it keeps me out of trouble. I enjoy listening to dreams and helping. So they can contact me at my email, which is uh, d r f r a n k a at comcast.net. Good.
0: Frank, thanks very much for being on the show with us today, and I'm sure our listeners are going to enjoy what they've heard.
1: Thank you. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it.
0: Remember, our next episode will air live Friday at nine AM, or should I say pre-recorded, but that's when it'll be released on our regular subscriptions. Bonus subscribers can get early access to episodes. Should you want to become a sponsor of the show, contact me at Mikeroth at rothvoice.com. If you know someone that you think should be on the show, send me an email at mike at rothvoice.com. I want to thank everyone for listening to the show. The content of the show is copyright by Roth Voice 2022, all rights reserved.